Devils and black sheep, really bad eggs. Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Kyle, we are back. Episode 45 of the Mouse Madness Podcast. And we're back to talking about pirates. We're inching our way to 50, which is absolutely incredible. And I, this is a little bit of a bittersweet uh, episode, Chris, because this is the last episode of our pirates bracket. And I've had so much fun hanging out in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. And here to help us decide who is truly the best pirate of the Caribbean is Marissa. Marissa, welcome back. Thank you so much. I am so excited to keep this episode going and talking about all the pirates in this universe. Yeah, we we dived into a lot of them last bracket, but I know that we kind of sh- just sent some through last time as well. There's a there's still a lot to talk about the um, Turners, Davy Joneses, yeah, the Wills, the Pintels, and Rigettis. You know, so I'm excited. We're going to really dive in here. But before we get too deep, we got to talk about Spoonful of Sugar. Kyle, what are you drinking in Oakland, California? Uh, It's Pirates. We're sticking with rum. And I reached back into the Smuggler's Cove book. And okay, I am, Kyle's got a full-on book it's, here. It's He's the book. I usually take a photo on my phone but i left my phone in the room as i made this drink so i just brought the book with me i'm pretty sure that i've had this one on the podcast before but i'm gonna read it again it's the hibiscus rum punch um this one calls for two ounces of seltzer water half an ounce of fresh lime juice an ounce of hibiscus liqueur a third of an ounce of demerara syrup which once again didn't have so i used simple syrup and one and a half ounces of blended aged rum uh, I went back to the uh, Smith and Cross, which is not a blended aged rum. It is a pot still rum, and uh, where I'm just gonna have to deal with it because I didn't have the blended aged. Um, you add everything except for the seltzer into a shaker, shake it on up, pour it into the seltzer with some ice, and you have a fizzy little rum punch drink here, and it's nice. it's delicious. It's it's lovely. Nice. Chris, what you got? So I have been on. A rum kick, obviously, as we're talking about pirates. Last week, I had the aged rum. This week, I've got the silver rum. So I went with a rum that was bottled in Martinique, which, as you guys might remember, is where Angelica and Jack had their passionate love affair. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, I I like to think that maybe they were drinking some of this during that sure. event. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. So uh, I got a few shots of that in uh, my Trader Sam's zombie mug. There you go. With some just dull pineapple juice. So tastes like Disney. Just enough uh, rum taste to it. The rum's okay. I mean, it's fine. But uh, (laughs) I think this will get me to world's end. I'm convinced by the end of this episode, I will be 
on Stranger Tides washed up on a beach somewhere. Marissa, what are you drinking in Southern California? Well, I, of course, had to bring back my Jack Sparrow Davy Jones cup with, I don't even know, like this pirate skull floaty thing. I I will take a picture and send this to you. But I brought back the Tortuga Claw. And as a reminder, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I will remind you again. I promise you, life-changing. The Ruby Grapefruit White Claw. Pour that all in. Strawberry, raspberry, lemonade, whatever you got. Pour that in there. Put a splash in there. Go over to your pineapple run. Put over like maybe two shots or whatever you're feeling. Whatever kind of night you're having. Mix that all up, pour some ice, pour it over in your little cup, drink up, me hearties yo-ho, and you will have a great time, I promise. Ingenuity that only Jack Sparrow could accomplish, honestly. Amen. Amen. All right, Chris, uh, let's go ahead and remind everybody of our demographic. It is adults who bought pirate swords for their kids at World of Disney as Downtown Disney opened up a couple weeks ago. Um, so watch out for the back of your knees because those kids come a swinging and they have developed a bracket <laughs> Protect of 16. y'all's kneecaps. <laughs> They've developed a bracket of 16 that we have narrowed down to a bracket of eight. We've only got favorites remaining here. We've got Jack Sparrow versus Angelica. We've got Davy Jones versus Elizabeth Swan, Captain Barbosa versus Pintel and Rigetti. And Will Turner versus Joshimi Gibbs. So we're trying to figure out who the best pirate of the Caribbean is. And there's a lot of favorites still in play here. Let's get right into it. It is the number one seeded Jack Sparrow versus the number eight seed Angelica. All right. So these two kind of went head to head. Chris almost went 1v1. Um, we got Jack, who obviously we know Jack Sparrow, face of the franchise. Um, drunken pirate who is very clever in his tactics. He's quick to think on his feet. Um, you sometimes think that he has no morals, and then sometimes he makes some decisions that show that he might have some morals. You know, he in the second movie, when the Kraken was attacking, he was ready to abandon ship. He was rowing away as the Kraken was taking down the pearl and he turned around and came back and ended up get thankfully one guy getting completely yeeted off the boat dropped a rifle and that ended up at the feet of jack sparrow chris remember last episode we were talking about how the writers kind of course corrected with karina they had a moment right there to let elizabeth take that shot and blow up the kraken and instead, Jack Sparrow came back. They're determined to not make Elizabeth a pirate hero. <laughs> I Jack's very into titles. He's taught he's he needs Captain to be in his name whenever his name is spoken. Um, when Elizabeth is Captain Swan, he says Captain. They're just giving away the bloody title now. <laughs> I, I like like I said with his morals i feel like he's in constant battle always with doing what's right um and maybe not even in the traditional sense but like what's right for 
the greater good of those he's closest to, which really is Will and Elizabeth, even though throughout the entire franchise, they're all choosing sides and switching sides constantly. And I think you kind of alluded to this, how that's so confusing for a lot of people. It takes a lot of viewings to like remember who's on what side and why they're doing what. Um, but honestly, that's what I love about this franchise is I love rewatching it and finding maybe some snippets of something I didn't notice last time. Um, maybe this is why they did this. And then I watch it again. I'm like, well, actually thinking about it, maybe this is why they made that decision. And Jack's the same way. Sometimes it just seems like he's flying by the seat of his pants, but a lot of the times it's pretty methodical or it's just from his own experience. He alludes in the first movie that he had become a chief. He's telling, um, Oh man, Mort Mortog and whatever the two <laughs> my Navy... favorite moment in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, and then they and then they may be the chief. <laughs> yeah. So and then like, they may be their chief splat. Yeah. So so he's Elizabeth. like he's distracting these Navy guards by telling them a story, hoping that he can take the ship away, and we don't get to hear the full story, which was upsetting at the time. But then we ad- end up living essentially what he had lived, in theory. And he says, and then they made me their chief. And you're just like, what life did this dude live? And then in the second movie, he ends up being the chief of this tribe in whatever island we are in the Caribbean. So while that feels random and like, how does he know how to speak to them? How does he know what to do and what to say? And it's all from experience. And and it's from these little snippets that we get that. Um he loves rum. He's almost solely motivated by rum very closely. A lot of his decisions are he driven develops by... kind of he he kind of develops an alcoholic tendency in the third movie. Yes. And it gets it gets really close to being like this is too much, but I think it's just enough, honestly. I think when he starts seeing hallucinations of himself. <laughs> I think it's just enough as well. It's I want to hate it, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, I love it. I love it. (laughs) So as conniving as he is, I feel like that kind of attribute makes a good pirate. I think that they need to be conniving in order to make these decisions, whether you're a captain, it's for the betterment of your crew, or if it's to literally achieve a reward. Pirates, historically, if you ask any five-year-old what pirates want they want treasure that is a physical reward that they are willing to go at any length to achieve and get so it's the same with him what i absolutely hate about his character and where it ended up the fifth movie completely phoned in unfortunately and i don't know if it was the writing or what was going on but it was like it was like drunk Johnny Depp was trying to be drunk Jack Sparrow. like, And they had like 10 years to make the movie and this is what they decided? Yeah. So bad. They also, and I just remember leaning over to my friend that I was watching this movie with in theaters and being like, this doesn't align with literally everything else they set up. <laughs> he gives away his compass and suddenly that unlocks everything. Jack had given away his compass multiple times throughout the entire franchise. And, like, you can make the argument, like, 
it was all on purpose. He knew he was going to get it back. And if the intent is to actually get rid of it, then the compass will react. But that's digging. That's digging so deep. He he gave the compass to Beckett. He gave it to Will. He gave like he gave it to Elizabeth too. He gave it to Elizabeth. There's no reason why the compass would then all of a sudden react. I don't know. Um, he's up against Angelica. Um, honestly, there's just too much to Jack Sparrow and being a pirate. Um, that for me doesn't move angelica on past him in this matchup i i think that she's a great pirate i think that she is not what we traditionally think as a pirate but has the same kind of attributes that a pirate is clever she's quick think on her feet um that's part of the lying thing she knows how to manipulate uh to get what she needs that's very much what a pirate would do i like her i think jack sparrow in this current matchup is just too much of a powerhouse still and too much of a quintessential pirate to to lose to angelica i think this is the last time that he gets shipped in past his opponent and we'll see if that's true but for me jack's moving on yeah i was considering that as well that this is a bracket where the one seed has really benefited the one seed and that like we said, it's top-heavy, and Jack has had two really easy matchups here. I guess I will kind of propose some type of argument for Angelica. I, I really like her. Uh, last episode, I said that I think the religious aspects of the movie and of the character make her complicated and one that is supposed to inspire some thought in the audience. As a pirate, uh, she's just kind of okay. She's got uh, a couple of positive traits. Last episode, you talked about how she confronts Jack Sparrow in the introductory scene Angelica gets. Uh, she's a great swords person. And Jack is kind of this brutish swords person where clearly no one taught him. He just has fought so many people that he's throwing his sword around. Yeah. Will, Will is this like... Quote royal type of yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like okay no one trained him but he has a good form but angelica has this like precision to her swordsmanship that's honestly really impressive and probably the best that we see of any pirate in the pirates of the caribbean franchise she uses reverse psychology to make jack look like a fool in front of blackbeard which is great she says i uh Blackbeard's my dad. And Jack's like, haha, you liar. You think that he'll believe that? And she's like, yeah, I think he'll believe that. So I think that was like a really, really great play. Totally. Or is that reverse, reverse psychology? I'm not really sure. <laughs> she had I think us it's just fooled. Rivers. She had us and Jack fooled. Um, and, and that was key to like embarrassing him in front of Blackbeard. Because like we said, Blackbeard's reputation is en everything. And Jack kind of like belittled Blackbeard in front of him. So uh, great move by Angelica to put Jack in his place on that ship. The thing that kind of is annoying about Angelica is that she never gets a hero moment. She's positioned at the beginning of On Stranger Tides to get a hero moment, but she just doesn't get it. Ultimately, she's just kind of a plot device for Jack to like explain his character background a little bit more 
flesh out Jack a little bit, expose his vulnerability. Marissa talked about vulnerability last episode and how that can make a good character and, in a way, a good pirate. Angelica opens up Jack a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, it's kind of a it's kind of unfortunate that she's used in that way. Ultimately, she's left deserted on an island by Jack. So Jack kind of out pirates Angelica in that moment. Totally. I was really annoyed. I was really annoyed by that. I was like, come on. Like, Angelica, <laughs> you're this allegedly great pirate, and you're just going to, like, just, like, yell? Right. Not ch- Yeah, that bothered me, too. That bothered me, too. Not even, like, try and chase him down and, like, fight him or anything. Just scream from the shore. I Yeah, I agree. That was a bad send-off for Angelica, unfortunately. I think, ultimately, I agree that Jack has so much going on. I can talk about my Jack stuff next round. I'm also advancing him over Angelica. I, I feel bad, because, Marissa, you haven't really broken too many ties here. But like we said, it's a top-heavy <laughs> bracket. So do you have any comments on Angelica at all? Um, I will add on to when, at the beginning of the film, when she actually dresses up as jack and trying to get a crew and everything yeah there is a point where jack is like oh my gosh i've only taught that move or that something i've i've seen that move somewhere to where he acknowledges like oh my gosh i know who this person is i know who's impersonating me we don't know a lot about angelica's past really we only know that they had this love thing go on and Mm -hmm. that that was probably the most serious relationship that jack has probably had that we right. know of because we we all know that Jack like sleeps around and does the pirate thing as much as I I like Angelica as a person I just think that one movie wasn't enough to see much character yeah. development of a full length of a Jack Sparrow of five films plus I don't <laughs> know what they're gonna do with him in the future but with that being said I also advance Jack like Angelica but Jack is superior yeah, I 100% agree. And for what it's worth, I think Penelope Cruz did a great job with this character. And I really hope that we get to see more from her with this Margot Robbie character in this mm-hmm. Disney Plus series that's coming out. I hope that they have a run-in with Angelica and we get to learn a little bit more about her. All right, so let's move on to our next round of eight matchup, which is the number four seed Davy Jones versus the number five seed Elizabeth Swan slash Turner. Now, I voted against Elizabeth Swan last round. I thought that she was kind of a poorly handled character in that they didn't give her a genuine interest in the pirate life. They gave her kind of like a titillation in being with and around pirates. She doesn't become a pirate at the end of the first movie. She just ends up extremely attracted to one. Eventually, the franchise does correct. And in the third movie, she really cements her position as a pirate. She kind of goes in like a a transition state in the second movie. She starts off in Port Royal in her wedding dress. She's been left at the altar. It's raining. And she ends up performing a pretty pirate move and taking the letters of Mark from Cutler Beckett. Now, I don't know if either of you or any of our listeners know what a letter of Mark is, but basically it's a document that says this person legally 
by the crown is allowed to be a pirate. Right. The thing that's weird is Dead Man's Chest got that wrong, and the letters of Mark were like a royal pardon. It's like... Uh, kind of the same thing, but kind of a different thing. <laughs> so, uh, regardless, Elizabeth steals it with a gun held to Cutler Beckett's head, which is extremely pirate and very, very, very cool. She ends up uh, becoming kind of a stowaway on this random boat, and uh, you brought up the dress lap last episode where she deceives the entire crew into hey, going to Tortuga. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What an awful line. (laughs) What's that over there? Anyways, Elizabeth develops these pirate tendencies and hands down, her biggest pirate moment is her kiss with Jack Sparrow and tying him to the mast as the Kraken ascends upon the boat. Yeah, she, she handcuffs him in irons. Yep. The relationship between Elizabeth and Jack is a little bit confusing and I don't know if it's supposed to be confusing. What do you guys think about that? Is she actually attracted to Jack or is that just like a, a play on her part? I think it's it's uh, supposed to be confusing. I think she's supposed to be torn um, because life has always been handed to her and decided for her in this like royal background that she's grown up in. Like, her father is like, this guy's going to marry you. And this is, and even then she was a little bit rebe- rebellious. Like she didn't quite want to marry Norrington. And so yeah. for the first time she's experiencing quote unquote, like real life where it's not always right down the middle. This is how the story's laid out for you. It's there's choices to be made, but I think that she ends up choosing will for sure. Obviously, but she also is smart enough to know that Jack can't resist her at all. And she's going yeah. to use that to her advantage. So she's very smart in that way. But I think there were moments of weakness where she had to learn about like life not being handed to you. And this is just one of those ways. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel that too. I really don't want to believe that Elizabeth was attracted to Jack. I wanted to think that like the entire time it was just... Her being smart, because we see that in the first movie when they're on the island that they're marooned on, and she kind of like lets Jack get a little bit close to her, and she like fakes being really drunk. Yeah. And that makes me want to believe that that kiss and those like weird scenes where they were like into each other was just Elizabeth being smart, but unfortunately, I think. I think she actually was attracted to Jack, which I don't really like at all. If you guys remember in the second film when Jack gives her the compass and there's a moment where she opens the compass and it spins a little bit, but it points to somewhere and it's to Jack and he's like kind of looking and then she immediately closes. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't like think this way. And so I think elaborating what you guys were saying earlier with she has been growing up in this you're marrying James Norrington or you're marrying someone that we've handed to you that's all she's ever known she's never had that exploration of there are other 
men in this world other than a James Norrington or a whoever in your town or a whatever, it brought in a different perspective for her. And that's when I was hit like, oh, she she's in this love triangle she's going back and forth she i know she loves will but then she's like oh but i'm not like we're not married yet so and it goes off with like chris's idea that she might she's more like seduced by the pirate lifestyle yeah like will will is her love but she's very much intrigued and seduced by the pirate lifestyle and what's more of a like a pirate lifestyle than like captain jack who's drinking rum and you know captaining ships so for sure and i think too when they were like when she was kissing him and getting him um handcuffed to the ship where she made that decision on her own she's like you know what the only way i'm gonna survive and all these other people are gonna survive if he goes down the ship with the kraken and the kraken takes him that's the only way. So she was like, it's not the ship or us that it wants. It's you. So you know what? I'm going to save these other people and screw you. I think a really cool way to interpret that particular scene would be that she gets to have her cake and eat it too in that moment. Like she yeah. gets a little taste of the pirate lifestyle, but she covers her own butt by being like, oh, but like it was for all of us. So it was, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it, it didn't mean anything. So, I mean, that's pretty pirate. Out. Like now that I think about it. It is pretty pirate. Um, the thing that kind of is weird to me about Elizabeth and Will's relationship in At World's End is that their whole conflict is like Will saw it but he won't say that he saw it and Elizabeth won't admit that she did it. So it's just like two people being extremely egotistical and stubborn about a situation. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all for either of those characters. I mean, we can talk about Will later, but it really reminds me of Pam and Jim in the office where like they get together and then the writers just invent drama that is completely unnecessary and it's like, dude, I don't buy a second of this. Like, why don't they just, why don't they just talk about it? Like, they're allegedly the love of each other's life. Like, if Elizabeth's like, oh, yo, I kissed Jack. Yeah, I did it, but it was because I know Jack is hot for me, and I wanted the time to the match of the crack. And Will would be like, oh my god, that was so smart. Like, great job, and we're all safe now. Elizabeth, you're a pirate genius, but uh, they don't do that. Yeah. I definitely don't like that about the Elizabeth character or the Will character in the third Pirates movie. Okay, enough about Elizabeth. Let's talk about Davy Jones. I brought all of this stuff up last episode. Super well-developed character. We've got his background. He's had some heartbreak in his past. Marissa talked about the vulnerability of the character, which makes him very human, even though he's this like supernatural being. Ultimately, Davy Jones rules the seas like the entire seas the entire second and third pirates movies are about getting davy jones's heart so that you can rule the sea and ruling the sea is the goal of any pirate so (laughs) i think just by default here i have to go with davy jones there is I honestly can't think of a single argument that could make me not choose Davy over Elizabeth in this particular situation. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. 
I'm moving Davion just to preface, I'm, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think as well. And I almost used like, how is it, is it very pirate of somebody? And this was a fault that we gave Elizabeth already that like using love to like cop out of the pirate life. Like if I want to stretch it, Davy Jones was like, Calypso wants me dead and we'll be, we'll be together. Just take me maelstrom. I'm out. Yeah, well, there's an interesting scene in World's End where Davy and Teodalma, aka Calypso, like meet up and starts chatting. Yep. And basically, in that moment, like Tia, I I do not like the Teodalma character. Oh, at I all. love and her. And I think I th- okay. Let me correct myself. I like Tia. I don't like that Calypso is Tia. I wish with, that okay. like, they I'm were with like, you on that. split into two different characters. I'm like, why is this random voodoo practicer the yeah. queen of the ocean? Yeah. But uh, they chat with each other, and I can't remember what their conversation is about, but I know that it ends on bad terms. Can you remind me like what happens in that moment? Yeah, she essentially is like... She couldn't be with him because he was going to not be on land for 10 years. And he was supposed to be shepherding the dead to and from the land of the living. And she called him out on not doing that. And he turned into sad emo boy and like, and like grabbed (laughs) her and like grabbed her and, and like, you know, pulled her up against the thing. Before I let you elaborate on that point there, Chris, one part about Davy Jones that I can't understand is like my guy can be anywhere he wants and he like forgets sometimes maybe like he can like teleport from one ship to another. He can, he can go through, go through things through things and like, Yet he's still getting his claws stuck in the in the links of the jail cell. He if he can just teleport anywhere, how can anyone run from him on a ship? You know, like that bothers me. But anyways, that's what also, the conversation was. The curse gets broken at the end of the fifth pirates movie and he's still a lobster fish man and Will's quote unquote dream. Right. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm remembering that he gets turned back into a human when Tia Calypso touches his heart. Or where his heart would be. Right. And I'm part of me is like it's not very pirate to be this vulnerable, but part of me thinks that the reason every pirate is a pirate is because they are this vulnerable and they're trying to hide this from everyone else by being this, like, overly macho character. Totally. I agree 100%. And with Davy Jones, you are given, like, the lockets are a huge thing for me in the films. When she's, when Tia Dalma's, like, playing and when she's in the cell and the lockets are playing and then she stops it and then he continues it and she already knows, she already knows who, who it is. She's like, yep, there's only one person in this whole world that has that locket and it's the same. And you know that he still cares for her no. but he doesn't want to because he but he, he does abandoned because when he mm-hmm. would show up every 10 years she was ne- she was never there 
That's like she one of the parts there. he says. He was like, "Where are exactly. you?" Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, you betrayed me, and he tell he tells everyone, yeah. like she's the one that betrayed right. me. And like I did my part. No, and I'm like, I don't yeah, know if and, you did because you're squid face. He, like, he <laughs> did what I think might be something super piratey, which is an act of revenge, which is essentially giving up that she's Calypso to the Brethren Court, and then they they capture her. That's mm-hmm. how she ended up where she is now is because Davy Jones gave her up and brother exactly. and court were like, now nah, we want control of the seas, very piratey, and uh, they locked her up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Chris, I think uh, I think we made the right choice here. Well, next round, we've got Jack versus Davy in the final four on the left side of the bracket. It's going to be a great one. Kyle, take us to the next Elite Eight matchup. It's going to be the number two seed Barbosa versus seven Pintel and Rigetti. Pintel and Rigetti are a couple of dreamers and schemers, and I love them for that. Big part of pirates, as I just brought up, like pirate lore in general, is that they're always trying to find a treasure. They're trying to find a reward. They're trying to get rich quick that's that's how we're introduced to everyone in this saga to begin with pirates went after some treasure happened to be cursed you know so uh pintel and rigetti still have that kind of like classic pirate in them uh there's a scene when the krakens washed up on shore pintel and rigetti are the first ones to go uh check it out and they're like don't refer to us as They'll refer to us yeah. as like the Kraken Slayers. And one of them is like, uh, we could <laughs> sell an opportunity for the people to come see it and have their uh, image sketched out with it, like a, like a photo op. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Such, it's such a great, great scene and just kind of gives a little insight to who they are. They're always like, uh, at, on, in At World's End, when they're coming back to the land of the living, uh, they think that if they tie themselves upside down, that that would work out because the boat has to flip and they'll be right side up and not thinking about what happens when the boat shows up on the other side. But they're always trying to think of how can they be one up. And that's kind of like the talking out loud of how every pirate, in my opinion, thinks. They're always thinking, what's the next move? How can I be one step ahead of the other? How... Um, how can I turn the situation and be creative about it? And, you know, uh, they're the embodiment of that and they just speak it out loud to us. And it's super fun to be a part of. They love themselves a fight. They're constantly fighting. They're constantly in the middle of every battle. You brought up that, um, they chop off the tentacle of the Kraken to save Elizabeth. They, (laughs) when there's a standoff on, on the ship, uh, after the boat flips over, they, no one ends up shooting anybody and they're like we can still use these as clubs and like they're they're just ready they're ready for action one thing that i think is super interesting that i wish that i i understand wasn't going to be part of the storyline because the writers of these movies wrote two and three at the same time and filled them all at once um makes fun, sense fun yeah. fact for everybody uh so in the first movie they kind of were just all character building, thinking that this was going to be the only movie. And then they're like, oh, wait, this is actually super successful. Book us for two more. Making Rigetti's eye one of the nine pieces of eight. Yes. Was yes. a really, really, really creative way to 
may help us understand why he's so obsessed with keeping this fake eye when it seems like if he has a fake eye unless it was hard to make like he could also just wear an eye patch like he does after he gives up his eye for the nine pieces of eight and that would be very pirate of him to wear an eye patch obviously but i really liked how they included that because then it made them a much more important part of the entire thing and why Barbosa kept a couple of bumbling idiots around him all the time and had them do his beck and call you know like it's because they're carrying a very important piece of the puzzle in the pirate world so they're quite literally embedded in the pirate world it's so great that you brought that up because I hate callbacks and I hate like when we talk about Frozen 2 and like Olaf referencing Frozen 1 and in that moment it was like kind of a reference to the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie but like it worked for me mm-hmm. and I think it's because of the way you described it it's like you're instilling value in this thing I, I thought it was really good you brought up and I keep referencing it because I think it's a very very important part of being a pirate is the is survival they're always looking for a way to survive and they're always choosing the side that they feel like gives them the best chance to continue living. So when they go and rescue Jack, even though Sal Fang's crew is like really aggressive and kind of terrifying and Barbosa is their OG boss, uh, Jack goes, Jack, who is technically dead in the land of the dead, Davy Jones Locker, who has wronged them so many times. And he says, did any of you guys come here to save me? Cause you miss me. And they both raise their hands because they're <laughs> like, yo, if this dude just died and we just got him back, like second chance, Jack is going to go off. <laughs> and I want to be a part of that, you know? And Jack has a ship. We want a ship. Jack has one. Like we're with that guy, you know? Um, so I think that makes them like very, very piratey. Yep. Barbosa, they're up against their boss, their OG boss. They're up against the the one that they're actually serving this entire time. Um, I I really really hate the trajectory that they gave Barbosa after the third movie. I understand how he joined the navy, and they made it seem like he did that just to get to the Fountain of Youth. Like really, at his heart, he's a pirate, and he just this was all part of his plan. But, like, he was always the most anti-authoritative person in all of this. And, like, he he ransacked Port Royal, for heaven's sake, right? And, like, kidnapped the governor's daughter. And, like, he was after her. Um, so it feels, I don't, I don't know. It just feels out of his character that they developed for Three Straight Movies for him to just, like, so easily be convinced to join the Royal Navy. But at the end of the day, like he he does show his true pirate skills and, and his pirate intentions and turns on them just when he gets to the Fountain of Youth and joins Jack in trying to take down the Spanish to get there. And he wasn't ever doing it for King George's men or whoever it was. He he was really just trying to get it for himself. Um, I oh gosh, it's hard to like not. It's hard to go against Barbosa only because I think that Jeffrey Rush portrays what, like I brought up last time, like what a pirate sounds like, is like, acts like, 
in the quintessential pirate way that we've all been kind of groomed to know, but also gives it a very fresh twist where he's even more maniacal. He's willing to drive people off the edge of the earth. He's laughing as they do it. Like he's, he's enjoying the ride while also being very intent with his decision-making. And I think that makes not only a good pirate, but also a good captain, which is part of this pirate way is Captain Blackbeard. Like the most notorious pirates are always captains of their ships. And this is one of them. Pintel and Rigetti, nothing to take away from them because I think they're very, very pirate crew characters. Um, But when you're up against the captain like this, it's hard for me to vote against. So I'm moving Barbosa on. Kyle, you scared me for a second. You scared me so bad. Same. Like, same. <laughs> Kyle's going with Patel and Rigetti. No, don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I have a new appreciation for these two after doing this bracket. Um, I think they are essential to the franchise. I think they are good pirates. I think they're great pirates. Mm-hmm. I think they're great characters. Really just perfectly handled. But... Not against Barbosa. <laughs> we can talk some more about Barbosa next round. I will kind of like rebuttal one thing you said about Barbosa, though, that like you don't buy that he would like all of a sudden join the Royal Navy. To me, Barbosa was a man of logic. He's not a man of science, but he's a man of logic. He is a guy who is thinking a few steps ahead of everyone else. I think um, he's always a couple steps ahead of Jack. And he's not necessarily, like, working for the Navy. He's a privateer. He's a, he's a illegal pirate. So I was talking about the letters of Mark. A letter of Mark makes you a privateer instead of a pirate. So he's still kind of a pirate. He's just a legal pirate. And Barbosa, being the smart guy he is, probably realized, here's a way that I can be a pirate and just do whatever I want and not have to worry about the powers that be. So um, I disagree with that take, but I agree that Barbosa advances here. Marissa, do you have any kind words for Pintella and Rigetti as they exit this bracket gracefully? Oh, I have some very, very good words for Pintella and Rigetti. They are some of my favorite characters in this whole franchise. One word that I would describe both of them is loyal. They have been loyal to their crew, their captain, to each other. Remember when Barbosa and Sparrow were just nagging at each other, like just yelling at the top of their lungs. And then all of a sudden, just one of them steps in and is like, hey, stow it, the both of you, that's in order. (laughs) Understand. And they both like just look at each other and they're like, oh, sorry. Like, you know. They were just trying to bring up a fight, but then Rigetti's just like, hey, I'd vote for you. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, okay. And that's the thing. Like, I think that they are so loyal, and that's something that a pirate needs is loyalty to the people in their circle because those are the people that are going to support them the most. And as much as I love them, you can't go against Barbosa. Barbosa is iconic. He is great, and I think... I'm very much agreeing with you guys that Barbosa is going into the next round. All right, let's move on to our final round of eight matchup, which is the number three seed Will Turner versus the number six seed Joshimi Gibbs. 
Now, Gibbs has a lot going for him. He is in every single Pirates movie, which cannot be said about everyone. The only other two characters, I guess three characters you can say that about, is Jack, Barbosa, and Monkey Jack. <laughs> y'all, y'all can fact y'all, y'all can fact check me on that I one. I love no. Monkey, Monkey Jack. Monkey Jack shows up in the bottle in the fourth movie. Yeah, he's in the shrunken ship. He's in all. Of, he's yeah, in all. When of. it zooms in and then he Pops like up. takes, he's like, <laughs> so G- watch it again. Gibbs is an essential character to this franchise. He's in all of them. He's handled a little bit differently. Him and Jack have this, like, back and forth they do. What is it? Take what you can, give, give nothing, nothing back. Back. That's That, to me, is an exchange that helps me figure out what to talk about with this bracket. It's hmm. like a pirate is someone who is selfish. Totally. Robin Hood is steal from the rich, give to the needy. Pirates are take what you can, give nothing back. The thing is, Gibbs doesn't really do that. <laughs> He's not really like a rich guy. It's in his head. He knows what to do. He doesn't actually do it. He's too good of a guy. Will Turner, very underrated in that he is kind of a terrible person. Yes. He is so, so, so self-centered. He has his own objectives throughout the first three movies, and he will do whatever it takes to get his own objective, whether it is saving Elizabeth or saving rescuing his, dad. his father. Yeah. Will Turner, when I approached this topic, I was like, Will Turner is a weenie, L7 weenie. This guy <laughs> is not a pirate. But like, I went back and I rewatched him. I was like, this dude actually is kind of a scumbag. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. He has so many strong pirate qualities. We'll lead with his swordsmanship. He is probably the best swordsman in any of these movies. He is willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. In, in The Curse of the Black Pearl, he wants to get Elizabeth. He commandeers the Interceptor via the Dauntless yep. with Jack. He also saves Jack from execution at the end of Curse of the Black Pearl. Absolutely zero incentive for Will to save Jack. Like, Jack... Is about to die. Will has got everything he wants. He he got to save Elizabeth. No reason to save Jack. And he does it just because he likes to screw with people. He's trying to get back at Norrington and Governor Swan. He is not afraid to even betray Jack. He does it a couple times in Curse of the Black Pearl. He slaps him in the face with a giant oar. He does it in Dead Man's Chest. He does it in world's end he even ices his own wife he like yes. does this thing where he's like oh it's my burden to bear it's not your burden to bear like this guy is got a massive ego which is like a total pirate thing he just like he will have a beef with the people he cares about because he doesn't <laughs> want to surrender the fact that he's weak in any way i don't know the thing is, Will ultimately has a heart of gold. He's a good guy. And I really loved the way that he got the send-off in the third movie where he became captain of the Flying Dutchman. And I liked the idea of Will being off at sea somewhere, 
shepherding souls to the next world and doing the job Davy Jones couldn't do because Davy Jones is this bad guy and Will's a good guy. And his character gets weakened in the fifth movie when turns out he's got his face is becoming scaly and barnacles. Like, yeah, he's got the barnacles on him and turns out he wasn't doing the job. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. Will. This isn't you, man. We talked a little bit about the 10-year thing when we were talking about Davy Jones. I want to talk about Will and the 10-year on land thing. First of all, this is a concept that doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Will uses his 10 years in the first day that he becomes the captain. Like, Logic would say, like, wait five years. Like, you were probably just on land, like, a couple months ago, so, like, Wait five years. You just like all right. I'm gonna use my first day. Like right now. <laughs> he uses it to consummate his marriage with Elizabeth, <laughs> and says, and, "Good luck. <laughs> Here's a child. I'll see you later." So, th- so also, that's pretty like, messed the up. The luck in that. Hey, Will's boys can swim. All right. <laughs> Will is a seaman through and through. This whole situation <laughs> relies on the idea that you can only consummate marriages on land. Yes, it's hard to board the Flying Dutchman, but we God. see Davy Jones on a number of ships throughout the films. Also, we see him on land standing inside of a bucket. You're telling me you can't consummate a marriage when Will is standing inside of a bucket? Or maybe they're both in a bathtub filled with seawater? This is just a major plot hole and completely unnecessary that the only time Will is on land is like he has to conceive a child and that like he can't see his loved ones for 10 years. Oh my gosh. Oh. I get that I'm Henry dead. I get that Henry and Elizabeth like can't go on the boat that goes underwater, but like Will can go on other boats, dude. Like, ask Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow. <laughs> boat relations are a thing. When this boat's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. That you... expression was invented for a reason. Oh, Will, my... what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time on land by doing this? Oh, my God. <laughs> You've been holding on to that. You've been holding on. Long story short. Will is framed as this absent father in the fifth movie, which I think is completely unnecessary because nowhere in the rules of being a flying Dutchman does it say that you have to be an absent father. Like, you could go to a different boat, dude, or, like, (laughs) go on a raft or meet your son on a buoy or something. And in the fifth movie, we see Salazar in the shallows of the water. Like, go, go up in high tide and stand on the beach and be like, oh, what's up, Henry? How you doing, bro? <laughs> like, it can, it can be done. Oh, you're so passionate about this one idea. I can't believe it. It just makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense at all. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, back to the uh, bracket. Will is a better pirate than Josh uh, Gibbs. I appreciate Josh storytelling. Uh, and I appreciate uh, that he's always there for Jack, but 
Will does some shady stuff, and a pirate needs to do shady stuff, and that's why I got Will advancing this round. I'm discombobulated. <laughs> I need to go take a walk. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was a lot. I, you know. That was a lot. Okay. <sighs> All right, I've gathered myself, and I'm ready to move on. Um, I hate Will Turner, and I hate his character. He his 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 character suffers from the same kind of bias that I had when we were talking Star Wars with Luke, and like, maybe it was Mark Hamill, maybe it was how they wrote Luke, but like, there's just there's points of Will that just bother me so much one of those parts is when um will feels like he's he's now a pirate um and he plays off of the whole this is at the end of curse of the black pearl and they're going to save jack from being hung and he wears that big ass hat with the big ass feather on it i hate that that's my favorite scene is pirates Did i you hate know what that you're talking about? i hate that so much I hate that hat. I hate how confident he now is. He was, as you said, an L7 weenie throughout the entire first movie. And now, like, Jack came to save the day. And now you're you're this confident guy who's just like, move! And throws his sword to, like, say, get out of my face with your stupid feather, Will Turner. Second part that I hate of this saga with will they're on the island with the tribe and jack's making a run for it and they're all putting the pearl back into the water i don't know how docking ships work when there's not a dock but the ship's back in the water and it's ready to set sail and will goes wait but what about jack and he turns around and jack's running um that iconic sprint that he does and will delivers a line and it's time to go and the face that he makes <laughs> i've never wanted to reach through a screen more and just smack an actor than that moment right there it is an awful delivery that the the director was like yep wrap it up we got it for the day it was awful it just bugged me so much. It's this. Maybe it's an Orlando thing, but I think he does well throughout the rest of the, the trilogy. So it might not be. It's just those, those points. I always just am like face palm. I can't stand it. What do you think about his delivery of the line? Josh Burrow sent me to the settle. Okay. <laughs> As he's like not dripping in sweat and he's just not a mark on his I, face and he's like, he, he, he told me to settle like, his debt. Like, like, he, huh? He, what was that? He, huh? We, <laughs> what did you say? That also, like, Will, you are much smarter than that. Like, you could have connected the dots. Like, oh, I'm in trouble. Not just like, oh, Jack Sparrow said I came to settle his debt. Like, oh gosh, um. So you brought up that like he's kind of a scumbag in like the decisions that he makes. I attribute those decision making 
processes to passion. He's very pa- he makes like all of these decisions just because he's passionate about Elizabeth. He's passionate about saving his yeah. dad. And to me, Chris, that's what's not piratey. I feel like pirates act very little on this kind of passion of relationship. It's more that they are they act so much more logically than that. Like for sure. Like even Jack and his crazy decisions usually are for a purpose and it's not usually to save others and if it is to save others it's for the betterment of the crew but it's been thought through a lot better he gets himself into all sorts of predicaments he's when he knocks out jack sparrow to expose who he was when in the first movie and none of barbosa's crew knew that that's who he was and they thought they had elizabeth and they all they did was cut her palm and realized that it wasn't her Jack had a plan and that movie would have ended <laughs> 20 minutes earlier, but he didn't go with that plan because he acts on passion. And now Jack has to save him again. He's constantly being saved. He dies for heaven's sakes and then is saved by Jack again. Like in that realm, how many saves does it take before you get your pirate card revoked? Because for me, Will used up all of his revive and save me. And he gets his pirate card revoked from me. I love Gibbs. I think he's a strong pirate. I think that he, his storytelling is part of that pirate lore. He is also very ready to go to battle. He's a first mate. He doesn't always come up with the plan, but he puts it into action and organizes his battalion and makes it makes the plan go through. Chris here, I am moving Josh and me Gibbs on past Will Turner. We're going to Marissa for the tiebreak. Oh, I am so excited to bury Will Turner oh into my- the ground right now. I'm so excited. You guys are oh so off. You're so off. <laughs> Don't even with me, because remember in the second film when they are trying to get a ship and a crew together, Jack isn't even the one trying to even get a ship and crew together. It's Gibbs. True. It's Gibbs that face to face when Governor Norrington's like, oh, yeah, like he he's a mess. He didn't even notice him at first. And he's just like talking about. I went through the hurricane <laughs> and this and that. And Gibbs is like, Commodore? Like, what? That's you? And that's just... The times that Gibbs has... Going, connecting back to the loyalty of everything that Gibbs stands for, it is far more superior than Will Turner. Okay, folks, we've got our final four, so let's move into our first final four matchup, which is the number one seed, Jack Sparrow, versus number four, Davy Jones. So I started off this bracket talking about how Jack Sparrow is a little bit all over the map when it comes to his character and his pirateness. So 
here we are in the final four and we really have to defend Jack. Like we really have to build a strong case for Jack. He had a really easy first round, a pretty easy second round. So what do we know about Jack that makes him a good pirate? Last round, Kyle, you talked about how Jack is a really quick thinker. He's very quick on his toes. That's something I I hadn't really thought about. I have a few things uh, that are consistent with Jack through the five movies. Uh, the, The biggest thing for me when I think about Jack Sparrow, he's not smart. I would not describe him as a smart guy. I would describe him as like ingenious or maybe resourceful. Uh, he uses this like resourcefulness to get out a lot of jams, like tight situations. His back's up against the wall. He's cornered in, and he makes these daredevil escapes. You see this in the first movie when he uh, is shackled and he's got Elizabeth and he's got his pistol pointed to her and he throws him back and then he like hit, I don't know, hits his foot on some cannon and then he flings up in the air and then all these... Port Royal officers just jump into the water because they're terrible. The stormtroopers like, of the Pirates universe. Oh my God, they're worse than stormtroopers. They, they're awful. They're so incompetent. <laughs> terrible. But Jack is always like launching himself off of things when, when like always. it's a really tricky situation. He's always just like launching. He into escapes the air, through so. the air. That's the only way he escapes situations. It's just like how high up can I get? Oh yeah, he's extremely resourceful, and like I said, he, he's a daredevil. He also he does the cliff jump at the end of the first movie, where the entire uh, like army is kind of like cornering him up against this cliff, and he he pretends to fall backwards, but it's really just a cliff jump. He says, "Elizabeth, it would have never worked out." Will, nice hat. And I hate Will's hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he's like, "You remember this day? You almost caught Captain Jack." And he, like, pretends to trip backwards. Yeah. But, uh, like, that makes him a good pirate. He's also ill-equipped, which, I don't know, maybe we can talk about whether that's a good pirate trade or not. Uh, He never has a ship. I mean, we're introduced to him, uh, like, just, like, oh, my God. It's one of the best character introductions I can think of in film, in all of film, not just Disney, like, all of film. Yes, He's this this tight shot of him on a crow's nest with this it's epic the sun going down behind him and like it it like zooms out a little bit <laughs> it's like a sinking <laughs> ship and he just like perfectly walks out onto the dock such a great introduction so, so you know he doesn't always have what he needs um, and theoretically he he's always in need of something but. The thing with Jack that you learn throughout the movies is the only thing he really needs is his compass and maybe some rum. Yeah. And I think I think that like makes him a really really great pirate and it's good pirate attitude. Just like put me anywhere, any ship, anytime. Mm-hmm. Just give me some rum and like dude, I'm good and right. I am good. Jack is a player when it comes to women. Oh. You see him on Tortuga? Uh Meet up with Giselle and the other women. Can't remember her name. Uh, fun fact about Giselle, the blonde, she is the Orbit's gum woman in the commercials when she says, a nice clean feeling no matter what. What? <laughs> is she really? She sure is. Yeah, my brother oh, had a gosh. huge crush on that. Woman, <laughs> so that's how we know that. Um, oh, gosh. Wow. But... Uh, 
You see it again with Anna Maria when she slaps him in the face and like yep. this is a, a, a former pirate crew members that he might have had a love affair with in the past. This guy clearly does not like to be tied down. We <laughs> see it with Angelica. He has to like confront his feelings and he's like, he just doesn't like it. He's he's scared and that's why he left her in the first place is because he loved her and he knows he's a pirate and a pirate can't be in love. Pirate has to go port to port and do their own thing. The thing that I can't really wrap my head around when it comes to Jack is whether he's a good person or a bad person. And in the first couple movies, he has me believe that he's a bad person. And he's like not afraid to sacrifice Will in Dead Man's chest to send him to Davy Jones to settle <laughs> his debt. He's like, he's like, dude, just go to Davy Jones, sell him, tell him I sent you, and like you'll be good, and I'll be good and cool, and I yeah. don't care if you die, but bye. <laughs> That's pretty scummy, man. I'm not gonna lie. But then he like comes back. We keep referencing that scene where Rigetti uh, chops the Kraken. Elizabeth can't get the shot off. Who does get the shot off? Is Jack Sparrow. I think you referenced it last episode where he's rowing away in the boat and he comes back. He can't help but being a good guy. Yes, Davy Jones is the ruler of the sea. I think he has great character development. He's a great villain, all that stuff. But I think we're talking about defining this genre, best pirate of the Caribbean, Jack over Davy. I'm advancing him to the finals. There's um, a couple of lines that like I feel like you resonates with your entire argument here. You say that uh you don't think Jack's smart, he's just quick to think on his feet. And right. there's a line um by one of Beckett's right hand men when Jack gets out of it again, foreshadowing uh Beckett being blown to pieces at the end by putting the little statue of Beckett into the um, cannon, firing it, which propels him over into the other ship. And Beckett's right-hand man goes, do you think he plans it all out or just makes it up as he goes? And that's, that's every, that person is speaking for the entire audience because (laughs) the entire time over the course of the first three movies really is like, does Jack know what he's doing? Like, does he? And in the many, many, many times that I've watched the films, his escapes, maybe not. And actually, I'm going to correct myself. That part happens in the first movie. The line that Beckett says is, you're mad. And and uh, Jack goes, uh, I'm glad because if I wasn't, this probably wouldn't work. And then launches himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, regardless, it's, it's that same thing. Like, is he mad? Is he, does he know that it's going to work? Is he logical? Is he illogical? Is he, and I think that's the beauty of him as a pirate. Davy Jones. I mean, when you think about pirates and like being scummy people, like this dude took revenge on his like lover because she stood him up. He like basically got her like sent to jail because he he she stood him up on a date. Like you brought it up, it's the epitome of like toxic masculinity. Like he got embarrassed and therefore took revenge out on his lover which had 
detrimental effects for her the rest of her life she was <laughs> she was trapped in uh in jail essentially so that's awful and it's what a it's pirate right it feels very hardcore pirate to like seek revenge brought this up before like seeking revenge feels very piratey um he wants control of the sea. That was an argument that you brought up. It's it, pirates want to be the best on the sea. They're kind of like professional athletes, right? Or even like rappers. They always want to be like the best. Like they tell talk about how they're the best. They try to manifest how they're the best. It feels like pirates want control of the sea because if they have control of the sea, they have control of the bounty that they can collect. He literally like stops doing his job so he can just go like own the sea. Like, what's more pirate than quitting your job and, like, going to just own the sea, right? Like That's it's, what pirates do. That's how you become a pirate. That's how you become a pirate. And not – and, oh, man, like, Davy Jones is just such – he's, like, one of my favorite just, like, villainous characters because he's not just, like, this is the bad guy and we don't know why he's bad. He's just bad. And we should fear him because he looks like a monster. They took a monster, gave him some sort of empathetic story that you can kind of relate to, but then also see where his motivations lie. And I don't, I just love Davy Jones as a villain so much. He's also really scary, so that helps your case a little bit too. Oh boy, I uh, you know, Chris, I think in this matchup, I am going to go with Davy Jones. <laughs> the thing oh, is no. I like it I like it I like Davy Jones more I was trying to be logical about this well, but I'm glad we get a tie break for same I kind of wanted to throw it into Marissa's corner because I it's I I do wholeheartedly pick Davy Jones it's not to discount Jack Sparrow I just like Davy Jones and his pirate Aurora better so Marissa you're sending either Jack or Davey to the finals. Oh, lordy. All right. So, as both of you make fantastic points and great cases for both Jack and Davy Jones, I have to go with my gut and say Jack Sparrow. We're not talking about Pirates movie ranking, Obviously, the first one's my favorite, but third and the first three are my favorite, without a doubt. Fourth and fifth one were not my favorites in many, many ways, but we're not getting into that. But I really like Davy Jones as a whole. His character's great. His, like we've said in the past, of vulnerability and the way that his relationship with Tia Domino just wrecked him. But on the other hand, Jack Sparrow is like it without him the pirate series and the whole just universe of pirates of the caribbean wouldn't be where it is without jack sparrow everything happens because of him everyone gets in trouble because of him everyone does things because of jack sparrow every bad or villainous character in any of the movies are all like oh, you bring up the name Jack Sparrow and they want to, like, kick something, they want to punch someone, they want to murder him, they want to do something to him. It's all because of Jack Sparrow. It's not because of Davy Jones. And Davy, like I've said, Davy Jones is a 
really fascinating character. And I hate to be put in this position of picking Jack over Davy, but I have to go with Jack because of just the overall I can't, thing. I can't say that I'm surprised. Davy put up a valiant effort, but at the end of the day, Jack's moving on to the finals. Who will he face off against? Is it going to be the number two seed, Hector Barbosa, or is it going to be the number six seed, Joshimi Gibbs? My boy Hector, man. This guy is this guy is pirate, man. Uh I still stand by like him joining the the Royal Navy as not huge I'm not huge on that idea and and the way his character went. Um it's it's also it's pretty pirate of him to have a peg leg and to have to had cut it off himself. Um is very pirate of him so just on a parent's level as he he was already very pirate to begin with got the big hat got dressed in all black um as he as the world moves on with him and he develops a peg leg uh very pirate his like i don't remember really my reaction when i first saw it because it was so long ago but i definitely was too young to notice his feet at Tia Dama's house in the second movie when they first go there. Yeah, and Jack me too. runs up. <laughs> yeah, I watched it this last week and I was like, how did I not right. realize that that's Barbosa? They they cut to his boots like twice and Jack's holding his hat. I'm like, yeah. Was I an idiot? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if like now, like if it was that obvious or like what anyways the reveal at the very end of the movie i just remember shook me i was shook like not yeah. only that but it was it was a great reveal they did a great job with it um this could be lore but i also feel like i watched it in the director's cut with johnny himself they were saying that they didn't give the cast the script of who was going to walk down the stairs. So a lot of them thought it was going to be Captain Jack. A lot of them thought it was going to be a new character that was going to lead them into the third movie. Like no one knew what was going to happen. And so the reaction of the characters that they show is their actual reaction to seeing Jeffrey Rush walking down the stairs because they didn't know that it was Jeffrey Rush who was going to be continuing on and because he wasn't in the entire movie, right? He was supposed to be dead. Yeah. So I don't know if I believe it wholeheartedly, but I love that kind of just it's that's such a pirate story as well. You know, <laughs> like maybe it is. He's got a dope undead monkey. We didn't talk a whole lot about how dope Jack is and being undead and uh, or monkey Jack. And the fact that Barbosa names him Jack out of spite for Jack Savage. Sparrow. Savage. That's, that's again, Love that's again, it. that like revenge thing, like. What's better, what's more belittling than like naming a pet after somebody that you hate and like, and then, and then making them like, that's what you are. You're just like a, a little monkey to me, you know, like it's hardcore psychologically. It's hardcore. <laughs> Josh and me, man, he's the storyteller. He's the right hand man. He's a pirate. He feels like a pirate. He's, he's almost like a, a, a level down in speaking uh, 
in the same way of Barbosa, like with that uh, Robert Newton type accent. He really embodies that while like everyone else is kind of just with an English accent. He really leans into the quote unquote pirate accent. But man, you're going up against like Hector Barbosa. This is this is a this is I think he's just as much of a pirate as Jack and we've just moved Jack on. I can't imagine that we're going to allow Barbosa to fall here to Josh and me. I'm moving Hector on. He is an ultimate pirate. Yeah, I think uh, Barbosa versus Will would have been an interesting matchup here. But if we're talking strictly Barbosa versus Gibbs, there's not much you can say about Gibbs that couldn't also be said about Barbosa. Like, we keep talking about Gibbs as this source of lore and storytelling. Barbosa has that too. Yeah. After all, he's the one in the first movie who tells Elizabeth about the curse of the treasure of Cortez. Mm -hmm. And we, the audience, are experiencing this through Elizabeth's point of view. So we kind of see these characters, Barbosa and Gibbs, in a very similar way, honestly. The other thing Gibbs has going for him is that he's loyal. He's always there for the crew. He's always there for Jack. Barbosa has this strange loyalty about him as well, even though he's he definitely leans bad guy, but he, he has a, a, a loyalty about him and, and a good guy quality, and he, he kind of also is always there for Jack in a very weird way. I mean, he's the one who's going to sail to World's End to rescue him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I say, I, I, there's nothing here that has Gibbs over Barbosa for me. So I'm advancing Barbosa to the finals. Marissa, we have... Jack versus Barbosa in the finals. How do you feel about this? You know, in all honesty, I drew up my bracket and this is what I had. So I'm not mad about it. Um, I know I pushed Gibbs over Turner in that last round and you were really mad about it, Chris, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I agree with both of you guys that Barbosa is far more superior than Gibbs in many, many ways. When you had first asked me in the last episode about what makes a pirate a pirate, and Barbosa is it. He has the voice. He has the personality. The things that he does, and just a little snippet of um, in the fourth film when he kind of fell off the little edge there when he joined the Navy and everything like that, that's where I kind of lost a little bit of Barbosa, but on the other hand, I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. And I think the fifth movie amended that a little bit, but we can talk about that in our last round with Jack and Barbosa. So, all right. Well, here we are. We're facing off Jack Sparrow versus Hector Barbosa. We've talked ad nauseum about these two. I think we've pretty much broken them down to exactly who they are. There's not a whole lot left to leave on the table. I'll say that my favorite line from Barbosa is, you you best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. That's a fantastic part of the first movie, which is full of incredible scenes, as you brought up. Jack's arrival. This part, the pirates walking under the ship, uh, when they're going to go take over the the Royal Navy. 
lot of great scenes in that movie, but that that one is the greatest Barbosa moment for me. Jack Sparrow, you brought up, Chris, that he him and Gibbs's thing is uh, take what you can, give nothing back. Jack Sparrow does not live up to his own pirate saying. When the Kraken's attacking, he he was going to take what he could and give literally nothing back by hopping in a rowboat and escaping in safety to an island, and yet he gave it all back and went back to the ship to help. Now, that's a good captain, sure, to help for the good of the crew, but it's also a morality thing. He's good for doing that to save his quote-unquote friends, frenemies, really, is who they are. But does that make him a good pirate? We just talked about how like good pirates are bad, right? And so does that morality battle make him a good pirate? I am going to rebut that argument by saying that Captain Barbosa sacrifices himself for his daughter. That's where I was going. So Barbosa also has that. It takes the fifth and awful movie to get there, but he does have that. Um, but he also doesn't flaunt this idea of being a pirate and having these sayings and like, I don't know. The fifth movie is so dismissive to me. I know we got to ha- include it in this franchise, but man, it's awful. I just, I think that I get more pirate enjoyment and just a pirate feeling and you look at him and you're like, this is pirate. You hear him. This is pirate. You see the actions that he does. This is pirate. He's always captain. He always is in charge of a crew. He's always leading for better or for worse. And for me, that pick is Hector Barbosa is the best pirate of the Caribbean. Kyle, I want to bring back up something we haven't really talked about in a few rounds, and that is the 1v1 idea of these pirates versus pirates. Mm -hmm. I need your help because you are a bigger Pirates fan, and Marissa, you can help as well. Let's break it down. 1v1 Barbosa versus Jack. Yeah. So, pre-movies, advantage Barbosa. Yes. Barbosa mutinies against Jack. Jack is marooned. Barbosa wins that battle. Yep. Then, on the Isla de Muerta, the curse of Cortez is lifted. Jack shoots Barbosa in the chest. Barbosa is left for dead. Yep. Tie game, 1 1. <laughs> then, Barbosa is raised from the dead by Tia Dalma. No one knows how or why. She chooses to resurrect. Like, what about Barbosa makes him, like, the choice to lead these pirates to the end of the earth to save Jack? Tia Dama knows he's a good pirate and can't get them there. So do we factor that he's the chosen one into this Jack versus Barbosa thing? Or is that just, like, a side thing? It's a, it, I, To me, it's a wipe because then Jack is also risen from the dead by Barbosa. Tia Dalma was doing it so that Barbosa could get Jack. Therefore, they kind of cancel each other out. Now they're just both okay. back alive. Okay, so they cancel each other out. End of the third movie. Jack is with Giselle, 
and his other woman, I can't remember her name, on Tortuga, he walks up to the end of the dock to find what? Boat's gone. Boat's gone, and who has his boat? Barbosa. Point Barbosa. <laughs> if you end the trilogy right there, <laughs> Barbosa walks away with the dub. Sure. Fourth movie picks up. I've already refuted the idea that Barbosa goes to the Royal Navy. He's a sell. He's not a sellout. He just is thinking one step ahead of everybody else. Where do we end that movie? Well, Barbosa first of all gets his ship taken from him, and we end the movie with Jack walking off with the black pearl in the bottle, ready to release it. And where's Barbosa? God, I don't even remember. Where's Barbosa? End of that movie, he was the captain of Blackbeard's ship. Oh, right, 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 right. He right. had like all of the pirates that remained in all of the franchises, mm-hmm. and he was like the, the the dude of the seas. And you right. opened the fifth movie, and he's got like tons of gold in his possession. Yes. He's got like all of this stuff. Yep, yep, yep. He's eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you calculate a score at that moment what are we at barbosa by 70 at the half so right so it would be barbosa three Uh jack one yeah then the fifth movie happens blah 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 barbosa sacrifices himself Mm -hmm. and jack survives Mm -hmm. we talk about pirates being survivors barbosa Great, awesome, heroic effort. Not very pirate, but let's just say for the sake of argument, we give Jack the point and we say it's... 3-2. 3-2. Barbosa still wins mm-hmm. if we're talking about head-to-head matchup between Barbosa and Jack. Gotta love that idea. Yeah. Right? When you think about the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, I think casuals would think Jack Sparrow. But in my head, I always think about Barbosa. He really is, like you said, the perfect balance of so many of these pirate qualities. He's got the look. He's got the talk. He's eloquent, which is something we haven't really talked a whole lot about. I am disinclined to acquiesce to your request. He's always got the right... He throws out those like classic pirates lines. Hoisty colors, he builds rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not a bad swordsman, which is a very underrated Barbosa trait. The dude is performing a (laughs) wedding. So cringy. Cringe-worthy scene. It is. So bad. It is. But but Barbosa is reciting the lines to the marriage ceremony and fighting Davy Jones' fish people at the same time. Super awesome. Like I said, he's a keeper of the pirate lore, just like Gibbs is. You referenced that scene where he's like, you best start to believe in it. Oh, sorry, he's Miss Turner. And you forgot to mention what happens next. He gets one of the best ride references in the entire franchise when he pops open the rum, yeah. drinks it, and you yeah. see it going down yeah. his rib cage. Yep. So, so, so good. So he loves rum, yeah. which unfortunately they don't really follow through with much in no. the remaining movies, but... Uh, he's a rum guy, <laughs> so uh, that's great. I see Barbosa as a very logical guy. I referenced this when we were talking about Karina. He's not a smart guy. He's a logical guy. 
One thing that made me laugh out loud, which in the last four Pirates movies, zero moments except this one. In Stranger Tides, when Gibbs has the poison frog on his shoulder and Barbosa like tweezes it off of him and puts it in the jar, and he's like, "What? An older man can't have a hobby." <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought that was like really, really funny <laughs> and super like on character for Barbosa, this man of taste and some sophistication yeah. to be like into uh, wild wildlife specimens mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think it's really cool and I like that they follow that with him having this diary of like uh, astrology right. and, and stuff like that and he instills this uh, passion for science in his daughter. Barbosa commands a crew. He also is a guy who do does whatever he wants. He shoots Pintel in the chest in the first Pirates movie. So, like, it, it's a great combination of, like, caring about your crew, but also not caring about your crew. I think the final nail in the coffin for me is the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction refurbishment in 2006. Barbosa replaced Blackbeard, and Jack Sparrow got put throughout the attraction. And I, in my teenage years, was this Disney purist. I refused to believe that it was okay for anyone to touch Pirates, Mansion, the Disneyland Railroad, like these classic Disney interests. I probably would have been anti-Splash Mountain refurbishment. But uh, today I'm like, please change everything. I don't care. As long as it's better, it's fine. But my, my younger purist self, I gave the Barbosa animatronic a pass. I was like, Jack's terrible, but you know what? Even though this Blackbeard animatronic's been here for 40 years, <laughs> this Barbosa is awesome. Yeah. And this man embodies pirate. He embodies pirates of the Caribbean. And to this day, I stand by that. I think Barbosa is the best pirate of the Caribbean. I agree with you. And we have crowned Hector Barbosa as the pirate of the Caribbean champ, which means we're going to clap it out for Hector. Marissa, would you have gone with us there, or did you have a case for Jack Sparrow? You know, I I had this bracket, and I was like, <laughs> I have Jack and Barbosa. And throughout the film, you just... You, in any franchise that you look at, you automatically look at the main character, which is Jack Sparrow. He's the front of every poster of every single film. And Barbosa, he's there, obviously, but he's just kind of on the side. But you forget how in detail they went with Barbosa. And a thing that we were talking about with uh, when uh, Chris was mentioning that he gave up his life for his daughter. That scene when he knew that Karina knew that he was her father, that was the reassurance that he was okay to let go. Because he was holding on to the idea of, you know, I'm going to keep holding on. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. But when she was throughout the whole film he's like my father left this book for me this ruby the stone and 
he I don't get how Karina didn't realize like he knew that the ruby wasn't in there when the ruby wasn't in there and it was in the pocket but he didn't know that so if I were Karina I would have been like how did you know that you know I would have connected the dots but (laughs) Karina on the other hand was like oh this guy's smart but when she saw his tattoo of the stars from the book and it just it really brought closure to me personally to where it was okay to close that chapter of Barbosa. And hmm. I just think that Barbosa has a huge story that we got to see and got to witness. I think that we could have gotten a little more storytelling out of him in the fourth and fifth movie. I think that hit a little bit of a eh for me. But closing that and being like, okay, that's cool. I feel like we didn't do that with Jack. And even though we don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't even know. It's like we don't <laughs> even know where he's going to be in the next films because now we have apparently a new storyline and new ha- character coming in, which I'm fine with. Like, who cares? Whatever. But where does Jack come into play at that point? Well, where one door closes, another bracket closes. Chris. We've done it. We've declared our best pirate of the Caribbean. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with this, but honestly, the thing that this bracket has done to me is make me more excited about where this franchise goes. I think mm-hmm. this is a really untapped franchise in the last decade or so. And uh, with the success of Mandalorian, I think like Pirates is a great franchise to dive into you could use the same exact format with pirates where it's like an anthology series you've got one pirate going off doing like a little heist totally just one episode boom one and done totally i think they should do something like I that i would love that yeah i would love that too i think that would be awesome well everybody thank you so much for listening marissa thank you so much for joining us on this journey you provide a lot of insight really appreciate it and we're excited to have you back uh, for some future brackets thank you guys for allowing me on this episode letting me talk about my disney fandom and pirates again i am so excited well folks you know how to reach us you got a comment got a rebuttal you agree or disagree with any of the things we've talked about on this bracket or any bracket you can send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at mousemadnesspod. You can join our Facebook community or our Discord server, which is linked in the show notes of this podcast. Until next time, folks, drink up, me hearties, yo-ho. Now don't try to kid me, man, cub. I made a deal with you. What I desire is Mandalorian Season 2 and Mandalorian Season 3. Now give me the secret, man, cub. Come on. Thank you.